Welcome to the Advanced Relationship Podcast. We're your hosts, Bryce Bauer and Jenny Morrow. We're a husband and wife team helping you create the most intimate, loving, and powerful relationships on the planet. Welcome to today's episode. Yay, I'm so excited to be here, Bryce. Yeah, me too, Jenny. So the two of us are here to talk to you about a question that you may have had before. Have any of you ever wondered how often should you have sex? Have you ever wondered, Bryce? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I have actually wondered that before. Yeah, like I know how much I do, but no one else really talks about it much, and I'm unaware of how much the public does, but we have some information today to share with you, so um, you'll kind of get an idea. So Bryce and I will be talking about our own experiences, we'll be talking about what we've learned from working with clients, and we'll be talking about some of the research around how often you should be having sex. And then we'll talk about why this even matters in the bigger picture of sexuality and in the bigger picture of creating the most intimate, loving, and powerful relationships on the planet. So should we start by talking about how we decided to talk about this topic? Yeah. It was Bryce's idea. Mm -hmm. How did it come up for you? Well, I just wanted to talk about something that was going to be really exciting and challenging for us to talk about and something that might grab people's attention. And of course, this popped up because it's one of those things that isn't talked about much, but I really do think a lot of people wonder about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And from my own experience, I was in a, a seminar about three years ago and this guy got up there. He was a sex therapist and he started talking about all these different aspects of masculine and feminine and frequency of sex and all the options. And I realized how little I really knew. And that's when my curiosity was first peaked. That's really cool. Was there something in particular about that seminar that stood out to you? Well, it was the frequency and that a lot of, and I, working with clients too, I noticed that there's this dynamic often where a man is wanting to have sex more than a woman is, and then this becomes a huge struggle and there's guilt and shame and pressure and all these things, and it just doesn't feel good. And I don't think that people have a good enough vocabulary and enough information to work through this effectively. So yeah, I think people can fall into sexless marriages or in roommate situations or just have uncomfortable sex or just autopilot sex. So yeah, we're here to talk about how to have that not happen. Definitely. I remember having an interesting conversation with, with a good friend after she got married. This was a few years back. And she talked about how sex was hard for her, meaning that she found herself not really wanting it it was it felt like a burden kind of a drag and she was confused because prior to getting married she felt like there was a lot of sexual charge there between the two of them and one of the things that we talked about when we started getting into the conversation I asked her like well what's it like when you say no and she was like well I don't ever say no and so it was just interesting to notice how I don't know if it's a balance but there's well I'll call it a balance right now there's this balance between how do we participate in activities that we know can be beneficial to us, whether it's participating in our own sexual life in some way, our sexual health, exercising, eating good, you know, so doing these things that can really be good for us, but, but also 
balancing that with a sense of feeling obligated or pressure or expectations or stories or have tos. So it's a really can be very confusing, I think, at times. And and it can go either way with the genders. So I have had some clients where the woman's wanted more sex than the man, but more often it's the man who wants it more. And in general, there's more cultural stories around women not liking sex as much as men and being the ones that kind of hold men back sexually. Mm-hmm. And in being a part of a lot of men's circles and having conversations with men, there's this overarching story, which is that men just want it more than women do, and that's that. And so uh, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, and that's that. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. We want to create win-wins here. Yeah, definitely. So today we're here to talk about how to create win-wins in regards to frequency of sex. Okay. So first big question, Jenny, why even have sex? We are these creatures and there's only a few on the planet. I think it's like dolphins and I'm actually not aware of the other one, but that have sex recreationally other than just for reproduction. So why even do it? Yeah, that's such a great question. And when Bryce and I started talking about this topic, that was the first thing that came up is what is the purpose of sex? Because when we're trying to talk about frequency, and what kind of frequency do we desire? Also, what kind of frequency is healthy? You know, we're like, what is, what is even the purpose of it in the first place? Because that's going to help us determine how do we even talk about frequency. So for me, one of the things that came up when we started talking about what is the purpose of sex is, for me, it really feels like sex is a chance to connect. And when we're young, when we look at children and they start to touch themselves, it's a, it's a pleasure response. It's a way to connect with their own body, to feel pleasure in their own body. So from its most organic, natural state, sex is a chance to connect. So for a child, it can be just a chance to connect with their body. And when we get into relationships as teenagers, and especially when we get into adult long-term relationships, sexuality definitely, for me, part of the purpose is connection. What about for you, Bryce? What do you feel like is the purpose of sex? So that's evolved over time. Same thing, being a kid, kind of knowing how it worked and then falling into it accidentally and out of just really curiosity as a teenager at an early age. And yeah, it was just mainly for fun, to feel good. And that's all I knew. And then moving into adulthood now and and looking at having a child and then also sorting out in a marriage where Jenny's the last person that I'm going to have sex with, how to keep that exciting and fun and really create a different purpose other than this just really fun, feel-good experience. Definitely. And I think that in some ways it's just unfolded that way naturally also because part of the purpose of sex in our relationship has been to connect with each other, but also that means that when we come together for sex, if something's not connected, if there is dissonance there, it's going to show up. Yeah, that's a big one. In the past, I've definitely used sex and relationships to fix things like, okay, let's just connect physically. And then um, we get all the feel good chemicals going. And then whatever it was kind of gets swept under the rug and, and we're good to go. And the difference here in, in me and Jenny's relationship is things are going to come up right away. Like if Jenny's not feeling safe, I'm not feeling safe. If there's some dissonance there, we're going to need to talk about it or else we're not moving forward with it. So we really use it as a thermometer. Yep. And there's been there have been times in our relationship where I have tried to maintain what I'd call like my conditioned responses in terms of purposes of sex. 
Like, oh yeah, to keep things good between us or because I'm supposed to. And I do like connecting with my body and with Bryce's body. I want to be seen as someone who cares about sex. And so if I'm not feeling it or if there's some dissonance between us, then yeah, some days I'll go back to, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. But it just seems like in our relationship, that rarely works. Yeah. Yeah. And we made an an agreement early on that we're just not going to use anything, hopefully, to bypass emotional stuff. And we don't do that perfectly, but sex is one of those things on the list. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. And if you're wondering, if you're sitting there wondering like, yeah, but my partner's always tired or like he just wants it way more than me. And like, how do we get through this? We're going to cover that here shortly. Yep. And I'll also challenge you to also trust that on some level, and when I say trust, I don't mean you have to actually trust, but try it on and just see what comes up. Because sometimes it is easy to think, if I have a headache or if I feel tired, I'll just do it anyway. Like Bryce talked about, the bypassing, it can be so tempting to bypass the emotional experience and just do it. And when that's the case, there's usually something deeper going on. A common male experience is to have the experience of wanting to be sexual and then maybe getting rejected, turned down, and then being like, I'm good, it's okay, yeah, I'm fine. And I've noticed that with me when I'm really not fine and I don't have tools to talk about it in the moment. And so we've really worked on like, hey, this is like a big deal when I when I approach and if there's like some perceived rejection and then my embarrassment, uh, my fear, my anger, all these things coming up and none of them are bad, but this is a really common experience. And it's so important that ultimately both people are supported in what they're needing and wanting and that both people are challenged when one of our conditioned reactions comes up, that that gets challenged. And that's really a part of creating the win-wins in terms of frequency is that there's going to be lose-loses, but that's going to be letting go of those parts of ourselves that aren't really us, letting go of the conditioned responses so that we can actually figure out how to both stretch ourselves and grow in regards to sexuality. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk about what gets in the way of sex. Yeah, and we've already alluded to some of this, but if you haven't figured this out already, it's usually not about the sex. It's usually about something else. I find that it's often about the safety in the relationship, the ability to communicate, and not having a sacred space where you can practice. Definitely. Well, yeah, I think what's popping up is that it can appear at times that having multiple relationships opens up a door to sexuality. Then I can get the sex I want. Then I don't have to pressure my partner. And that's okay. My perspective is there's nothing wrong with not settling into a monogamous relationship and or there's nothing wrong with open relationships and polyamorous relationships. But I think that it's a fallacy to think that that's the way to sexual freedom because I think what can happen is it gives you a lot of outs rather than having to face your own feelings in regards to what happens when I don't want it? What happens when I feel rejected? What happens when we're going deeper and sex isn't available to one of us or both of us that day? What do we do? Yeah, and even if you're not looking for multiple partners, even if you're more of a, a serial monogamist, like to call it, like someone who dates you know, a few months at a time with each person and everything's really exciting until it's not and then you move on, that's a really common experience as well. 
Definitely. And it's tough because if you've never been in a really long-term relationship, it's it's hard to have that experience of like there is going to be a dying down of, of the passion at times and moving into a more settled place or move into having kids. It's going to get trickier and trickier than it is in the beginning when you just can't keep your hands off each other. And in a way, as things evolve, they become more unified, but they also become more complex. So in a relationship, as your relationship evolves with someone, it becomes more unified. More parts of you are integrating with more parts of your partner. And this is, this is part of the excitement and the joy, but then it gets complex. It gets more complex, and that can be a part that can feel a little bit like a drag at times. But if you can stay with it, then you get this really amazing opportunity to create a situation that has more of what you want and experience with another person. So anything else in regards to what gets in the way? And actually, what does this even have to do with frequency? A common question, concern that guys come to me with, and this is the benefit of me and Jenny working together. Sometimes we work with people individually, even when they're in a partnership. And I can come from the male perspective and Jenny can come from the female. And then working with people together, they can get both when they're in our program. But there's lots of different types of relationships. And and we work with people that are homosexual or heterosexual, it doesn't really matter. But in talking about the traditional male-female relationship, I often get this question concern that men think that women don't want to have sex as often as they do. And I find that that's just not true. Usually it's that women just don't feel safe. So guys totally put it off on their partner that it's just about her. And they sense sometimes maybe she's making excuses and they get angry, and they bury it down. If this sounds familiar, join the club. Lots of people feel this way. But it's part of our job to help our partner feel safe. Yep. Another thing that I think can get in the way is also we can assume that we want sex because we're feeling sexual. And sometimes that is true. On one level, on the surface level, we could definitely just say, I want sex. And if we were to go a little bit deeper, sometimes we find that the reason we want sex and the reason we're feeling sexual is because we've actually sexualized certain emotions. And so it can be easy to say, my partner wants more than I do, or men want more than I do. And yet again, when we look at like what's going on and what's the purpose of sex, sometimes what we find is that we've used sex to deal with stress. We've used sex to deal with grief. We've used sex to deal with fear And it literally becomes a coping strategy. So sometimes under the surface, it's a little bit more confusing than just who wants more sex than the other person. Yeah, and I find that men can usually engage in sex, even though they're not feeling safe, just on a physical level. Maybe it's our wiring. And women, it's just a fact of the matter that often feel less physically safe, less open, and so it's harder to engage in sex when they're not feeling emotionally safe. But as men, usually we can just brush that to the side and go for it. Yep. And one of the things that I found, I've worked with multiple women who were able to have an orgasm with themselves, but they weren't able to have it with their partner. Or if they were in the dating situations, they weren't able to have it with men. So, yeah, there can be so many different factors that go into our feelings of safety, and that really does impact frequency. So, yeah, I love that we've spent some time on this because I just think that's one of the things that really impacts frequency quite a bit. Yeah, and if you're hearing the word safety come up several times and you're a man and you're like, that has nothing to do with sex for me. Yeah, I know. That's why we're talking about it. But it has a lot to do with your, if you have a female partner, it's going to probably play a big role. 
And the closer you get to your own self emotionally, even for men, the more and more you learn about yourself emotionally, the more and more it's going to matter that things feel good emotionally. Does that seem true? Yeah, we're not just these dumb sex robots that just reproduce. Right. There's more to us, men. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome. (laughs) So we're going to get around to answering the question that we asked in the beginning. So how often should you be having sex? And the answer is, it's always complex. It depends. Um, But the largest study ever done with 20,000 people over the course of 40 years showed that the happiest people were having sex once per week, but that only 26% of couples were doing this. The rest were having sex less frequently. And these are in long-term relationships. So even though the research suggests that the happiest people have sex once a week, it's going to really vary depending on each couple. And the average, they say, in the research is once or twice per month. So you'll figure out what works best for you. For us, it's two to four times per week, and that feels really good right now, and that can change when when life changes, but that's our experience. So in terms of how often should you be having sex, it really gets to be up to you and up to your partner, and this can change over time. There can be phases of life where that's happening more and it's happening less, but it's a good number to at least go for at least once a week. And I think that sex so even though can be a lot like exercise, that the happiest where people have depending sex on week, our own psyche really and our own conditioning around it, each couple. it might be and the something average, where you love to get out and exercise, you love to go play basketball, for example. Bryce month. loves to go play basketball. So I love to go up and hike. Best for you. So, for us, you know, sometimes finding the way that sexuality feels good for you can be important, but also knowing it literally is something that can contribute to a sense of well-being. And if you're not doing it, things atrophy, you know? So... In some of the reading I was doing on vaginal health in the last few years, one of the things I've learned is vaginas can atrophy if you're not having sex. So it's important. scary. I know it does sound scary. So it's important to be using your genitals. It's important to be engaging with yourself and with each other. And And it's totally possible. Um, I mean, we've all probably been there where sex is really good. And if you're listening to this now and you're like, ah, it's not so good, there's ways to get back there. And it's not that far off. So let's talk about some ways that you can improve your sex life. Yeah, that sounds good. So I want to kick it to you real quick, Jenny, because what helps you feel safe with me? Let's see. So one of the things that most improves the sex life with us, that helps me feel safe with Bryce, is when there's a couple things popping up. One, when I release the old story and the pressure that I have to always be available. If I'm believing that, it causes some weird stuff that's not so helpful for me. And what are some things that I can do or have done? Well, like one of the things that we've done that's been really helpful is we've found a time of day that feels better for both of us. So instead of always having sex right before bed, for us, sometimes it's about checking in during the day. If one or both of us is feeling open to sexuality and feeling turned on or feeling like we just want to connect that way. Yeah, just knowing it doesn't always have to be at nighttime right before bed. Yeah, that comes up a lot with people where maybe they even schedule a date night and they're like, they're hoping that sex is going to happen, but you go out to eat in a food coma. Maybe you're at the movies, barely staying awake. And by the time you get home, it's just not happening. And there's this big letdown. So do it when you have energy. Yeah, even even though it can help sometimes to get more warmed up physically or even emotionally, 
if what you're wanting to do is sex, being able to communicate that with each other, not feeling like I have to start by making my partner a nice dinner and then then maybe they'll have sex with me. Because that might be true, but it might not be true. So sometimes it can help by just being really honest. Like I'm noticing, you know, I'm at a 10 tonight in my desire for sex. Where are you? And that can be a great way to talk about it is give it a number, 0 to 10. You know, here's where I'm at. Where are you tonight? Because if they're at a 2, then you can navigate from that reality, which might be, yeah, what else can we do tonight? Or if the person's at a 5, then it might be like, okay, yeah, maybe we do do some warming up. Maybe we do make dinner together and see what happens. Or maybe we do some massage and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think having some type of ritual, especially at night where you cuddle or just talk about your day for five or 10 minutes is going to go a long way if you're doing this on a daily basis. Because going three, four, five, I mean, it could even be days or weeks without really connecting to your partner. And then you come in and you're like, okay, like I've had enough. We haven't had sex in this long. That's the the worst way to go about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also the other thing that helps me feel really safe with Bryce is me feeling safe with me. So if I let myself get overwhelmed with all the expectations I feel people have of me, whether it's Bryce, my friends, clients, and again, these can be imagined expectations. But whenever I let myself get under this pile of expectations and I believe that my body and my time and who I am is just here for everyone else, that really can cause a lot of like a lack of safety for me. And this isn't even one Bryce and I talk a ton about because I really can see that this is something that is a continual work for me, which is really to give myself time and love and self-care. And when I'm taking time to get out and smell the trees up in the mountains, when I'm taking time to meditate and slow things down, when I'm taking time to cook a meal just because it's something I want to cook and I want to taste the chocolate or smell the pumpkin. When I do things for me, and I was just thinking there, when I bring my own masculine self, the own, my doer in me, and I let that doer in me serve me, that really starts to turn me on and light me up. And I can even feel it right now as I talk about it. Yeah. So it always circles back to what can you do first, work on yourself. If you're the guy in the relationship that's wanting more sex and not getting it, what are you doing that isn't allowing your partner to feel safe enough? Look at yourself. Am I approachable right now? Am I being really needy? Am I being really aggressive? How approachable am I? And what do you feel like you do to be approachable to me? Well, I'm a really touchy-feely person, so I like to give Jenny big warm hugs multiple times throughout the day. It goes a long way, just a few more seconds with each hug. Look her in the eyes, say something nice, you look pretty. I think those add up, I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'm getting brownie (laughs) points there. Um, And I'm not just making it up, too. I mean, I really try to feel into that. We talk a lot. I want to ask her how she's doing. Like, prior to even bringing up the sex question, I'll usually kind of ask her, like, how she's feeling. So I get a gauge because if she's super stressed out and then I come in with this, like, hey, do you want to be sexual right now? I know it's just going to add more pressure onto her. So I can do my own little research prior to and see, like, hey, how are you doing, Jenny? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think that the other side of this is how do those of us, and again, it's often women, but sometimes it's the man in the situation. How do those of us who are the ones who can kind of get stuck and maybe pigeonholed into the role of the one who doesn't want it as much, how do those of us who are in that space really open up and be more available to the possibility for sex? Because it can be easy when we feel the expectation to just shut down 
And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, again, just a coping strategy, and that's fine. But just like the one who wants it more is challenged to maybe pay attention to what their sexuality is about for them and why they want it more... I think it can be just as helpful for the person who is labeled as the one who doesn't want it as much to pay attention to what are my own fears and resistances here. And what we're working towards is a relationship where both people are getting really what they want. Yeah, and not only going into that self-discovery, but sharing it with your partner. Yeah. Yeah, it always helps when Jenny shares with me and I think vice versa. When I'm like, oh, I realize I'm actually stressed about money right now or work or something going on with friend group or family and it just opens Jenny up and I feel the same when she shares yes and I think there's there's two levels of this going on one is you might be in a situation listening now where you're not having as much sex as you want but it's close it's okay or maybe it's not feeling as good and you can use these tools to make it better and try these tactics and skills together and with yourself. But if you're in a situation where you're in a sexless marriage, which is 10 or less times per year, and you're like, well, none of this is going to work. My partner's completely closed off. Maybe you haven't even had sex in a year. It happens. Then you need to go get support if you want this to get better. Yeah. Yeah. That means that there's enough trauma, enough negative memories built up that you guys can't do this on your own. So whether you call us or someone else, just expecting these tools to work with what you have available to you if it's already to a place that's really, really damaged and negative and feeling like the car's almost totaled, take it to a mechanic. Take it to someone who really understands if you want it to get better. Definitely, yep. And so much of what Bryce and I offer is really a wellness program, like a relationship wellness program. It's about how to keep on top of things and keep them feeling well. So Bryce and I do work with people where it's like they come in and it's like something's totally broken. We, we just have to start with like fixing it and then, you know, start building the wellness program from there. And so if you're in a position where it's not totally broke, like Bryce said, also that can be a great place to begin learning about these skills and really practicing them more. Yeah, and it feels important to even acknowledge the flip side that if you're in the beginning of a relationship and you're just going at it like two or three times a day even, it may be helpful to take a second and be like, all right, are we avoiding anything here? Definitely. Because it's not going to keep up that way for your whole life. And what are you going to do with that space when it presents itself? Yeah. Laughing because I've been there and I know it can be a really fun time in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yep. And our relationship wasn't like that. So mine and Bryce's, even though there was attraction from the beginning, there was also a lot of pacing. It never felt like sex could take the place of our relationship. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship where you're like, well, it wasn't like that for us at the beginning, also know that that's normal. So I think what's popping up for me as I'm sitting with it is all of these states of experience are really normal. And that there's nothing right or wrong with any of it. The key is just to check in and say, what do we want the purpose of sex to be? And based on that, how often do we want to be having sex? Why is it even important to us? Yeah, yeah, totally. So we went over why even have sex, things that are getting in the way, how you can improve it, and what a healthy sex life looks like. Is there anything coming up for you, Jenny? What's coming up is just feeling really grateful for everyone who's here as listeners. This stuff is not stuff that's usually talked about, so... I've found myself at times Googling what's normal, how much sex is normal. Even me as a marriage and family therapist and even having read sex therapy books, I still don't know what's normal because there really is no normal. And there's so many different kinds of experiences with sex. 
Yeah. And me and Jenny do this often where we'll read a book together, listen to a podcast together, watch a video together. And this can be really helpful in a relationship to pull your partner in. If you're used to listening to this on your own, ask them if they'll listen to 30 minutes with you and see what comes up and just talk about it afterwards. Definitely. Because that's really one of the biggest things that we want to talk about is the importance of communication. And we didn't really talk about this yet on the section on how to improve But such a big part of frequency and navigating frequency moment to moment, day to day, and getting it into a place that really feels good for both people is being able to talk about sex. If you're only having sex, but you're never talking about it, then my guess is frequency is going to be a problem at some point in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't think I've said sex so many times in an hour period in my whole life, so I'm glad to get this out there. felt a little bit uncomfortable, but... I'm glad we're talking about it. This yeah. podcast is a little bit like sex, right? You know, it's it's kind of clunky and we're, we don't know what's going to happen next and it's changing moment to moment. So thanks for joining in with us on this one. Definitely. Yeah, we're just new to this, doing this thing together. So yeah. it is a lot of different things become a lot like sex. Appreciate your time, Jenny. Yeah, thanks, Bryce. I love you. Yeah, me too.